You can open your copy of God's Word to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 18 through 26 this morning. Picking up where I left off about three or four weeks ago. Uh, it's a great uh, book that God's given us to study together. As I look at this section of Scripture, it reminded me of um, growing up as a kid. Uh, we moved a couple times while I was growing up. Both times I had the privilege of being able to uh, have property with my folks uh, on a 12-acre lake. So we had 12-acre lake both times uh, we moved, uh, stocked with bass and brim. And so I just grew up with this insatiable desire to fish for bass and brim. And we ate fish every week uh, because we always kept them. We, I would catch them. We would put them in the freezer and eat them. Uh, it was fun. I still can remember, I can smell it to this day, opening my window, um, facing the lake, and I could smell when brim were on the bed. And those of you who've ever done that, you, you know what I'm talking about. There's just this smell. It smells like worms, you know? Like you're digging worms out of the ground to go fishing. And it just, oh man, it's time. And for the next six weeks, the fishing doesn't get better than it's going to get for those six weeks. And I was a strategist. I would paddle around the boat whenever I had a clear day. The water was clear. And I would look for those little sand, sand um, bowls that were against the bank. That's a brim bed. And that's where they were going to be. And I would go to each of those because could, I could scope out a whole 12 acres of pond and find where the brims were and fish and fish and fish. Well, I caught a lot of fish and enjoyed it immensely. As I read this, I was kind of said, well, why don't I have a story about being, having this insatiable desire to honor Christ? I had an insatiable desire for fishing. But to honor Christ, that's where Paul is. Let me read it to you. This is, it, it just convicts just thinking about it. Philippians 1, verse 18, right in the middle. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Christ Jesus, this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether I live or die whether by life or by death. That's his, that's his conviction, his confidence, his passion, his insatiable desire is that Christ would be honored in his body, whether by life or by death. Verse 21, For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart, be with Christ. This is far better. But not remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account, but to remain in the flesh. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. 
Let's think about Paul's desire to honor Christ, our desire to honor Christ. I, I've given it two categories. He seems he's rejoicing in the honor of Christ, and he's reflecting upon the honor of Christ. Now, I've done one of those. I, I have times in my life where I do sit back and think and reflect, am, am I honoring Christ? What I'm about to do, what I have done, was it in Christ, for Christ, His honor, His glory, or is it something shameful and something I shouldn't be doing? I've had those moments. You probably have too. I don't know that I've had enough moments where I'm just rejoicing in Christ being honored. Paul's doing both. Rejoicing in the honor of Christ as well as reflecting upon the honor of Christ. Or maybe you've been one of those individuals. You're always rejoicing in the honor of Christ but not reflecting upon it in your particular life. I don't know. Let's let God's Word kind of pierce our hearts and uh, conform us to this image of being the faithful follower of Christ that rejoices over and reflects upon the honor of Christ. Now, what is it that honors Christ? As you look at the passage, three things in this text shows us what honors Christ. There are other things, but let's just stay with what we have in front of us. Preaching honors Christ. Praying honors Christ. Paul's praying for both. And a passion, and I think the passion I put here that you see in Paul, is this passion to be loyal to Christ is what honors Christ. So preaching, a prayer, a passion to be loyal to Christ, both all three honor Christ. First of all, the preaching that honors Christ in verse um, 18 uh, even back to verse 17, look back at verse 17, it says, The former, so there's, there's people who proclaim Christ. He's talking about people that proclaim Christ. He says, Out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, or Christ is preached. And in that I rejoice. Paul says, I'm in prison, and some people are preaching Christ." I don't know, maybe to mock him, maybe to make fun of him. Hey, you're a preacher and you're in jail. Maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe they're saying you're locked up so now I can make money off preaching. He says, he says I don't really know all of their motives. They don't seem to have pure motives. They're not doing it for the right reasons. But I still get to preach in jail. They're preaching, though they're not in prison like I am. He says, what does it matter? Christ is preached. As long as Christ is preached, he says, I'm pretty cool with that. Whether they're doing it for good motives or not motives, the word of God is going out into a world who's never heard of Christ. They're hearing of Christ. And hearing of Christ honors Christ. I rejoice. Whether it's good preaching or bad preaching, it's at least preaching. And preaching needs to go. Out to the world. And that is honoring to Christ. So Paul is excited about that even in jail. He says it's, um, he says it's only natural for me to be excited. This, this, is, this is what we want to see happening. The word of God go to everyone. We want the word of God to cover the earth like water covers the sea. Christ is being preached so I will rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. He mentions it several times. I can't help but to do that. Um, Preaching of Christ, he goes on to say, he's going to deliver him. 
Verse 19, he says, uh, I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Christ, this, that's that preaching, will turn out for my deliverance. Now, how's that going to happen? Uh, well, if, you know, he's locked up for preaching. So if he keeps preaching and other people preach and they determine, well, this is not a, a criminal offense that you're preaching, uh, so we're going to let you go. It turned, he del- he's gets delivered because he's not doing anything criminal. They could determine, uh, not criminal, but we don't like it. Or they could say, we think it's against Caesar. We think it's against Rome. We think it's uh, contrary to our way of life. So they kill him. Paul says, doesn't matter either way. Life or death, I get delivered. I'll keep on preaching, and this preaching will turn out to deliver me. I may get delivered through life. I may get delivered through death. Not the issue. I will get delivered. It's going to come out one way or the other, and both will be acceptable to me which is just strange. We don't typically think that way, by life or by death. Look at verse 20. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all be put to shame, but that with full courage now, as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. So Christ is going to be honored. As long as Christ is honored, it doesn't matter whether I live, doesn't matter whether I die. Christ will be honored. I'm doing the thing that honors Christ, preaching. And that is going to turn out perfect. Christ is going to be honored. Um, think about your prison. You know, I don't know what it is. You may feel like you're locked up. You may feel like you've got restrictions. You're bound somehow. You're bound to a particular job. You're bound to a relationship. You're bound to uh, a home. You're bound to... Uh, a sickness or an illness. We all have our prisons. Paul had his. He says, what are we doing in that state? He says, I'm rejoicing in the preaching of Christ. And that preaching is going to get me where I want to get. My body's going to be used. My prison's going to be used to honor Christ. And that could be true for us, too. By the way, um, think of the privilege of preaching for a moment. Because right now, with the world in a state of war and several wars that we're familiar with, and the question about will this escalate to world um, categories, it's a little bit scary. But at the same time, realize we have freedom right now in this city, this place, this country, to preach Christ. I bet there's not a lot of freedom to preach Christ in Gaza this morning. I bet there's not a lot of preaching even going on in Israel, perhaps, this morning. There might not be any preaching going on in Iran this morning, or Iraq. Not a lot in parts of Egypt And it just goes on and on and on when you start looking at the world. We get to enjoy the exaltation of Christ through His Word. And it honors God. There are plenty of places that are not seeing the honor of Christ. 
They're not thinking about it. They're certainly not rejoicing in it. Paul says, I rejoice. Oh, and again, I rejoice and I rejoice. Think of all the things that have come to me through the preaching of the word of God. Somebody just opened up the word and I heard and it radically changed my life forever. And it's happened not only with me and my kids and my grandkids, with my family, my friends and my neighbors. And it goes on and on and on. Paul says we need to rejoice in that. See that that turns out for our deliverance, whether we live or die, because through the preaching of the Word of God, we have faith in Christ, and in Christ we die, we go to heaven, we live in glory for an eternity. The Word of God is where all this starts. What a honor it is to get the Word of God out. So we support those God calls to preach and to teach His Word wherever because it honors Christ. And Paul rejoices. He wants us to rejoice. Go back to your prisons. I, I kind of got on a rabbit trail there. Um, because of where we are as a country. But if you're getting the word of God out in your prison. Say it's your workplace. Say it's your home. Say it's through your disease. Your kids are hearing of Christ. Christ. Whether they live or die may depend upon, live or die in Christ may depend upon the Word of God in your home, in your workplace, the people around you, people who are experiencing illnesses that you're experiencing. You see, you are honoring Christ, you're rejoicing in Christ when you are the preacher and teacher. You're the witness of Christ. There are the professionals, those God's called to take up preaching as a vocation, but there's also all of us who are called to be witnesses. God says, you shall be my witness. You are. Are you a good one? Are you doing it for the honor of Christ? Paul says, rejoice if you are. Rejoice in that. Learn to, 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 to do it and to, to keep doing it and, and to live for it, to wake up for it. Secondly, let me move on. We honor Christ not only through the preaching of Christ, but through prayers. Verse 19, he says, I know that through your prayers. Don't miss that. Through your prayers and the help of the Spirit. They go together, obviously. But through your prayers, and I've shared this with some of you who have prayed for me. I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit, this will turn out for my deliverance. When I've been sick or in a hard place and some of you prayed for me and you say, David, I'm praying for you. I'll usually send back some statement like this. I said, it's through your prayers I will be delivered. And that happens over and over and over again. We, we, prayer is, is, is God's channel. It's God's means to deliver us. So when you're in a hard place, when you are locked up and need to be unleashed from whatever, do not be hesitant to send it on the prayer chain. Do not be hesitant to ask your spouse, your kids, your friends, your neighbors to pray for you. 
I had a neighbor once says, "I'll say some. Po- I'll give. I'll make some positive thoughts." I said, "I don't want positive thoughts, man. I want prayer. I want you to storm heaven for me. I want you to intercede. I want you to beg God for what I need, because it's through prayers that we are delivered." And also by the Spirit of God. Now, look at Romans 8, verse 26. Just remember uh, the Spirit of of God's work here in uh, prayer. Romans chapter 8. I believe it is. Verse 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know how to pray. Or what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. We have a translator. We don't speak God talk. We don't know what language God speaks. God can speak all languages. But God has His own language. And the Holy Spirit takes our language, our words, our heart, our thoughts, and translates it, according to Romans 8.26, as God would speak to God. So we pray, so you don't even know what to pray for. But give me your thoughts, give me your heart, give me what you want. I will take it, the Spirit says, and I will translate it to God the Father so He understands exactly what's on your heart. We can pray the most effective and fruitful prayers when we depend upon the Holy Spirit to be our translator. Our prayers are then that channel. The Spirit of God flows, takes our prayers, flows through that channel to God. And there is deliverance. Paul says, I know I will be delivered through your prayers and the work of the Spirit. Your praying is not insignificant. It matters. You wonder sometimes, you're driving down the road, hey God, I just thought of this person, please help them. You wonder, did that matter? Yes, that matters. Your prayers matter. Pray for one another. Pray for me. Let's pray for the family of God because it's through the prayers of God's people. That people are delivered. Pray for the lost. That are in need of Christ. That they would hear the word of God. And be transformed. That all honors Christ. Um, We need prayer. We need it to be quantity. A lot of it. We need it to be quality. Consistent with the word of God. Um, We need it in Christ. Pray. 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 There's more. Let, let me just move on before I get bogged down. I know when I come back from preaching, I just go way too long. So I'm going to try to cut it off, okay? Number three, 20 and 20, verse 20 and 21 says, It's my eager expectation. You begin to see his passion. Preaching honors Christ. Praying honors Christ. This passion to be loyal to Christ. It's my eager expectation. And it's my hope. This is what I want. This is my passion. That I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, boldness, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. 
To me, this is what I live for. To live is Christ. And to die is gain. Paul's clearly got a passion. He says, I want to have full courage. Verse 20. I don't want to have any shame. I don't want to have doubts. I don't want to have disappointments. I want to be all in, running full speed for Christ. This passion to honor Christ... um, Are we doing that? Do, do you ever wake up and say, Lord, my purpose today is to honor you. My purpose, my eager expectation is that this day will turn out for your honor. I'm going to tackle what's in front of me this day with full courage. As long as it's for your honor. See, those are the kind of things Paul's saying. It may kill you, Paul. Yeah, that's okay. Whether it kills me or not, I want to do life in such a way that either or is for your honor. As long as I am loyal and faithful to Christ, that's what I'm going for. And that's what he goes for. Uh, it reminded me of Daniel. It reminded me of uh, his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You remember in Daniel chapter 1, they put before him all of this food. Uh, The leaders have this um, meal in front of them that's given to the Babylonian gods and sacrificed. And Daniel's watching this sacrifice to the uh, Babylonian gods. And then the leaders get the food that's been cooked for the sacrifice. And Daniel's saying, "Uh uh-uh. I don't live for your gods. I live for the true God, Yahweh. And he goes to his superior and says, can can I somehow get out of looking like I'm living for another God? That's not the life I want. And the guy said, he'll probably kill you if you go that direction. Might kill me. He says, could we have a little trial? Could you just give me something that's not on the sacrifice table? And let's see if God will bless. Is it, it might kill you. Is it, well, whether I live or die, I want to honor my God. That's what I want to do. And then a few chapters later in Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, same kind of thing. They, they've created this Babylonian idol, and they say, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you just need to bow down. It's only going to take maybe 30 seconds of your day. It's not a big deal. Bow down. They said, no, 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 no. We don't do that. We honor God. I said, well, it might kill you. We're going to throw you in the fire. Never seen anybody come out of that one. And what do they say? Doesn't matter whether we live or whether we die. We want to honor God. My purpose, my eager expectation, my determination for the day is to honor God. It's not to live. You know, some of us have adopted the um, the BG. Uh, theology, you know, just staying alive, staying alive. Eh, eh, eh. Paul says, I'm not here to stay alive, I'm here to honor Christ. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm not here to stay alive. I'm here to honor my God. Daniel, I'm not here to stay alive. I'm here to honor my God. That was this passion to be loyal, whether in life or in death. Think about our own existence. We struggle with so many things. When you struggle with how much you eat, do you do it to honor God? When you struggle with what you drink, do you do it to honor God? When you struggle where you work, do you do it to honor God? When you struggle with your relationships with people, do you do them to honor God? I'm going to do what is loyal and faithful to God if it kills me or if it doesn't. My passion is loyalty and faithfulness to the honor of God. Um, in our church mission statement, wholehearted love for God and man through exaltation, evangelism, and edification. Three things. Wholehearted love for God and man. We want to exalt God. We want to spread the news of God, evangelism. We want to build up his church, edification. Uh, do we do those for the honor of God? It's not about us. It's not for us. It's for the honor of God. Do we live our lives to exalt him for, the, for his honor? Do we live our lives to tell others of him for his honor? Do we build others up because God's pleased. It's for his honor. Paul gets that. That's the way he lives. I think God is sharing this so that we are conformed to that image. That we are honoring Christ. We're rejoicing when preaching is happening. We are rejoicing when prayers are prayed. We are rejoicing when uh, there's this loyalty and faithfulness to Christ that's evident among us that we have people in our midst that will honor Christ, live or die. That's the Apostle Paul. That's where I think God wants us. Now, let's move forward in the text, reflecting upon this honor of Christ. Verses 22 to the end of this paragraph, verse 26. Um, Paul had been in the Roman prison long enough. He says, it, it, it's soon. I don't know when, but he says, it's it's. I can't just stay in this environment. They're going to kick me out at some point. They're going to either kill me or they're going to... Cut me loose. Uh, this is going to happen. And so he's now starting to have thoughts on a regular basis. I'm either going to live or I'm going to die. I'm going to stay on in the flesh. I'm going to live or I'm going to die. It, it seems imminent. Something's about to happen. You've all had those kind of experience. I don't know when, but it's, it's soon. It's going to happen now. Too many things have happened. It's got to be soon. That's where Paul is. And notice his... Uh, summary of that, verse 22. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor. So if I keep doing what I'm doing, that's fruitful. I'm doing what I'm called to do. Verse 23, I'm, I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire, you know, if I could have my preference. Hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ. That's far better. We need to let that soak in a little bit. Because that's not usually what we wake up saying. You know, if I get my preference today, I'll die. 
I was talking to Judy Jones in hospice this week, uh, and she's, you know, obviously if you're in hospice, you're close to death, and we were talking about her passing. I said, uh, she says, oh, I, I expect to die every time I go to sleep now. I expect to wake up with Jesus. She said, I don't, it's, you can look at my body. I, I, I don't have much flesh left on my bones. It's, it's, it's obviously soon. Some of us have that experience. We're there. Paul says, when I'm there, the better choice would be to go ahead and pass and be with the Lord. He says, that's far better. To, to wake up and be resurrected, to be in God's presence with the promise of a glorified body and to begin to start this process of eternal existence without pain, without hunger, with only eternal significance. Wow. So that's better. But, he says, but to remain, verse 24, in the flesh, it's more necessary on your account. So the ones he's writing to, he says, it's more necessary to stick around because if I stick around, I get to keep preaching. I get to keep teaching. And I got so much I'd love to share with you if I just have the time. So to stick around, I get the time, and I get to preach. Um, in verse, uh, 20, uh, verse 25, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. It's almost like, oh, bummer. Y'all need me? I got to stay. And so I'll stay and I'll keep preaching and teaching, verse 26, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Just wonder, did any of you glory in the fact that I was coming to you again this morning? That's, that's where Paul was. He says, why would you glory in me coming to you again? Because all I'm doing is I'm just doing my part. I'm not doing your part. I'm just doing my part. I'm not doing anything exceptional. I'm just doing what God has called me to do. To preach and teach. If I do my part, there are people who glory in it. When you do your part, the rest of us glory in it. You know, the 1 Corinthians 12 passage, I won't take the time to go there, but it says everybody in the body of Christ has a spiritual gift. You have the Spirit in you, and the Spirit gifts you, verse 7 of chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, says you, the Spirit gifts you for the common good. So I've been given a spiritual gift to preach and teach for you, not for me. So I need to use my gift for you. You have been given a spiritual gift for the common good as well. So your, your gift this morning may be to pray for somebody. They're delivered through your prayer. They glory in your prayer. Your gift this morning may be to encourage someone. Put your arm around them and just say, hey, I missed you. And you encourage them. They glory in your gift and your ministry. Your gift this morning may be to take care of someone's little one so that they can have some time um, as a couple or as a family 
to be in here to worship. You're in the nursery there and here. And maybe your gift is to disciple someone. There's a hundred kids over in the C building being discipled week after week by someone. I glory in that. We're reaching the next generation for Christ. Your ministry here may be to see that the doors are opened or see that the doors are locked or see that there's coffee in the urn or you know, juice in the bottle. There's so many things that give life to others that we do week after week and we need to realize that's our part. And our part is something other people glory in because it, it transforms us and it encourages us and it edifies us and it strengthens us. And that's what Paul is saying. He says, if I am able to stay, then I will get to do my part a little longer. That's what it means to stay here. Someone uh, recently said to me, said, uh, if you hear I am gone, don't let anybody tell you I committed suicide. I said, my life is to the place that you would think that would be my choice. But I just want you to know that's not my choice. My choice is to do my part for as long as God gives me breath. And that's where the Apostle Paul was. I, I could live. This could be my last breath this today. If it's not my last breath and I live and I want to do my part and I want to come to you and I want to impart to you all that God blesses me with. Let's apply it to ourselves one more time. What gets you out of bed in the morning? Besides, I know you got to go to the bathroom, something like that. What motivates you to live the day? What are we thinking about? What keeps us from despair? What is our purpose, our significance, whether we live or die? And Paul's answer in Philippians 1, 18 through 26, is the, is the honor of Christ. God, I don't know what all I get to do today. But can I honor you? Could today be another day where it's about you and not about me? I might get run over on the way home. I might not make it. Could I experience that for your honor? Could I do my part up until that point? Because what has gotten me out of bed, Lord, is not that I will stay alive. But what got me out of bed is I have the opportunity again to honor you. And you're worthy. You're worthy. You deserve all praise and all glory. You've created me for that purpose. To glorify you and to enjoy doing it. To rejoice in it. 
So let that be my life. Some of you here, I want you to see last verse, I think, of 1 Corinthians 15 before I close. Um, See, David, I've never lived with that kind of purpose. I've really never lived with that kind of significance. Where you're running face, you're running fast, excuse me, to a meeting with God. A meeting of accountability. What have you done with your life? Where should it go from that point? And here's the answer. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. You have not spent your life foolishly if you're living to honor Christ. If your labor is for the Lord and in the Lord. If you're working for Christ and His honor, your days are significant. They're valuable. They are rewarded when you see God. But if you are living your lives absent of that passion for Christ and His honor, you are living foolishly. There's no reward for that. The only reward for that is the, the, the sinful pleasures you enjoy on earth. And that's fast going away. So I beg of you, come to Christ. Don't live that way. Live for Jesus. Have a life that matters. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. For your word that brings us back to where we need to be in front of Jesus. Living for his honor. Because he's worthy and glorious. Father, for those who are not there, we ask that you would draw them there. That they would not spend their lives in vain. Let us help. Let us be a channel. Maybe this prayer is their deliverance. We ask that you would grant it. Lord, we love you. Thank you for loving us and giving us your word. In Jesus' name, amen.